is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Let me add my welcome uh, to Ray's. I'm Tim, I'm one of the elders here at Jubilee and it is so good to have you with us. Thank you for, for joining us here on, on Zoom. Um, we are, if, if you are joining us from anywhere, um, then we are so welcome that you are here. That is one of the joys of Zoom here is that it, it doesn't matter where you are. So if you are in Burton Family Church, big shout out to you. And if you're here in Derby, then big shout out to, to those from Jubilee Church Derby. If you're just looking in um, and you're not regularly part of us, so good to have you here. And you might even be from somewhere else in the UK, somewhere else in the world, somewhere on YouTube. Hey, it's great to have you here. Um, do you remember back in December 2019 and I, there, was a, there was a radio interview I heard with that was sort of strangely fascinating to me it was about um uh some people who were in this thing called lockdown in um a place called wuhan in china and i, I kind of listened to it going wow i wonder what it must be like to have um to live a life of isolation like this and i wondered about it and then the radio interview finished and i got on with my life i uh, went to work sent my kids to school uh, uh, went out and saw friends. We had some, um, we had uh, cups of tea with family, all, all those, all those things. Going out to, going out to gigs and enjoying live music. Ah, oh, the the wonderful things that that I did when I had no real understanding of what it would be like to be socially distant. Now, I just want to say to you, I wonder how lockdown is going for you, whether this is really affecting your business or whether you are absolutely smashing homeschooling or you're about to smash up your computer with, uh, with another Zoom call, whatever it is, I, am, uh, I, I wanna ask you, how, how's it going for you? Whether you're just absolutely gutted about not being able to travel around or there's just family that you can't wait to put your arms around and hold, how's it going? I know that this is a really hard medicine for us to all take and um, and it takes a while to see the good of it. Um, my job is in the hospital and, and so where I work, I, I'm seeing that, okay, it's not a war zone at the moment, but it's really, really marginal. And it's, it's only not a war zone because of all the good stuff that you are doing soldiering on with not going out and seeing people and let me tell you this will end so you did a really good job and keep going with it this will come to an end soon and we want to be able to we're going to lift up together and be able to pray together for an end to this later on in our service <clears throat> it's affecting church in all kinds of different ways um, Ray's already told us about life groups. Please don't bear um, the difficulties that you're facing on your own. Connect with your life group. If you're not in a life group, um, contact the church office or you can just tell the church office to stop 
me hassling about hassling you about them if you want to but we if you want to know what pastoral care looks like in jubilee then have a look in our life groups because but because we're not designed to walk this christian road alone we are we are designed to walk it in fellowship because the lord has placed us into a family and last week we started looking at what it was like for um, the early church and we saw that they devoted themselves to prayer and we saw they devoted themselves to the teaching and ministry of the word they devoted themselves to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and again we're going to be doing breaking of bread we're going to, uh, later on in the service so uh, if you're a christian and you want to be able to uh, uh, share communion with us then grab some bread or wine or juice um, to to represent the body and blood of christ and we'll be sharing that together at the end of the service even in rooted um a uh, big shout out to you rooted oh there's one there and there's another one let me just say if if you can see like makeup brushes and stuff in the background that's because i'm i'm here today in my daughter's bedroom in an effort to get a better wi-fi signal so i hope that's working out for you um but um let me tell you in rooted on friday we were uh, we were on zoom just like everyone else seems to be doing all their all their meetings and, and hooking up together on zoom and we were playing this game called empire and it's a game where um each person uh secretly submits uh, a name of a famous person and so there are all sorts of names flying around this room and and you have to guess well well who who is boris johnson could that be could that be uh, fred and 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 as you guess right answers then your team increases and your empire increases it's an absolutely classic game and i'll tell you what the real surprise of it that was noah was absolutely perceptive he was on it on this round he was just asking all the right questions and, and guessing people like he'd like he'd hacked into the answers somehow it was incredible it was incredible and he was building this unstoppable empire and it was getting to to 10 v1 and then right at the very end the noah nation is just won by Jimmy K. Jimmy K makes the he makes the right um, he makes the right guess, and and the Noah Nation becomes the Kinnard Kingdom, and it was it it was uh, an incredible moment. We all thought, oh, Noah has definitely definitely got this, and then along comes James and takes it all in the last go, and then the game just resets, and we went to play round two. So, so we were having a great time on Friday, um, but but I'll, sometimes big victories are like that, aren't they? Sometimes you win a lot, and then it just resets. It all just goes back to zero. We're going to have a look today in Genesis chapter fourteen. Um, so. Um, there's a lot of kings listed in this passage. And if I were to read them all out, it's going to be a horrible and messy affair. And I'll probably get my P45 from my bosses in speech therapy because being able to read aloud and, and sound like you know what you're talking about is, ki is kind of a uh, job requirement. So um, 
so I'm, I'm going to glide over the names of the kings and just tell you what was what was going on. So um, there, there was this there was a valley and there was there'd been some oppression and war there and, and that there'd been a, a war against um, that there'd been uh, kings turning against one another. So there were there were four kings and they went against five, five kings. And it wasn't just the kings. OK, it was it was more than that. It was the fighting men that were behind them, the armies. It was it was the the women, the children, the elderly in the, the towns and cities who lost husbands and dads. Who lost um, granddads and uncles and sons who weren't coming home again. So there were there was there was a big war and there were it, it was horrible it was messy there was there were captures there was plundering and there were even pits of tar okay it was the story that would have been on everybody's lips everyone would have, would have known about it everyone would be affected by it i wonder if that kind of thing sounds familiar to us that there's this one joint thing that's going on for all of us. Hey, we're, we're in this lockdown at the moment. But even, but even now, I'm saying with the benefit of some geography between that place and this, and with the benefit of many generations between us, I can say, well, let's just glide over the names. Let me give you the gist of what happened. Even Abram. That's that's Abraham um, before God told him to change his name to mean the father of many nations. Um, even he was drawn into that battle. So um, one of his family gets captured and Abraham goes in to rescue. And as Abraham, is, sorry, as Abraham is returning from this rescue mission, we meet this chap called Melchizedek. Now, we're going to read about him in Genesis 14, uh, verse 18. But there's really not very, uh, there are not very many verses here. So if you are getting your Bible out and getting it ready, then what we're going to spend a lot more time in Hebrews chapter 7. Okay, so, so if you're heading for your Bible, then turn to Hebrews chapter 7. But I'm just going to give you a little bit of context from Genesis chapter 14. Lord God, as I speak these ancient words, I want to ask, Lord God, that you would you would take these eternal words and you would make them alive in our hearts. Holy God, we approach you with open hearts and say, we want to we want everything that you've got for us this morning. So would you take these these um, ancient stories? and make them alive here in Derby and Burton and around the world in 2021. Amen. Okay, so Genesis 14, verse 18 says this. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And that's it. 
that is Melchizedek's moment in the biblical script. That's that's all that he does. But you wouldn't believe the chapters that are devoted to him and and who he is and what he represents later on in the Bible. And we're going to take a look at a bit of some of that this morning. And I've asked Richard, are you around, Richard, if you would read to us from Hebrews chapter seven. And we're going to be looking at uh, verses 11 to 28. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek Peers, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is, is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of his oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. So let's look at what we know about Melchizedek okay so let's first of all take his name clearly one of the coolest names in the bible okay maybe maybe we need to put it on the baby names list for 2021 if anyone if anyone is uh, expecting uh, Melchizedek needs to be up there very very cool name but it means the king of righteousness now, most people of any significance in the Bible, okay, they have, and especially especially in Genesis, they um, you meet them in, in the narrative, in, in the text, and it says, well, okay, well, this was their dad and their granddad and, and so on, and they're from, they're from this place. Well, we know where he's from, 
but we don't really know anything about his genealogy. We don't know anything about his ancestry. So there's something kind of complicated about that. Um, and that's going to be that's going to be a bit important later on. Now we know where he's from. That's from a place called Salem, and Salem means peace. Now, Salem meaning peace is quite a big deal when there's just been a war going on that's torn apart the valley that it's part of. He wasn't just from Salem, though. He was the king of Salem. So, so if Abraham's walking up the roads and nods his head at, at Melchizedek and gives what I suppose would be the customary greeting of the day, which would be something like Shalom, yeah, which, which means peace. If he says Shalom and Melchizedek says, yeah, yeah, I'm the king of that. And Abraham's like, well, steady on. I'm just, I'm saying hello. No, no, no. I'm the king of peace. That's, that's who Abraham's coming face to face with. And it's clear, actually, Abraham meets, Abraham recognises something of the greatness that's in Melchizedek. So we know that he is righteous. We know um, that his genealogy certainly isn't straightforward in an earthly sense. <clears throat> we know that he is the king of peace. He's got this other job too. And there's more than just a side hustle that he's, that he's selling stuff on Etsy. This is, he is priest of God most high. That seems like a pretty big other job. When you're already king and it's like, and you're also going to be priest. Okay, so let's just have a, I, I think I've got a relatively good idea of what king is, yeah. But but priest, I think lots of us have mm, different ideas. You, you might be you might be here um, thinking, well, a priest is someone that leads the church. Yeah. You might even be thinking that because I'm the person talking to you here on here on this church Zoom call, um, that I'm a priest. Now, that is only a tiny, tiny bit true. OK, so in one Peter, we hear about all Christians, everyone that believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, being part of a royal priesthood. OK, so. <clears throat> so if you believe in Jesus, then welcome to the priesthood. You are part of a royal priesthood. That's royal as in king <clears throat> and it's priesthood as in priest okay so we it, it's more than just someone who leads a leads a church all right it's not it's not really that in our in our understanding but we still need to kind of understand well what do they do and what were they doing in those times well a priest is really someone who goes between people and god so so goes between like mediates between between us and God. And whilst there's probably a whole load of things wrong with this analogy, it's a bit that the best thing I could think of to help us understand is like an old style telephone operator. So, so it, it would be something like, hello. Uh, yeah, God's phone. Hi. Yes. Uh, no, 
uh, he's not available uh, to talk to right now, but I can take a message. Yeah. How are you spelling Abram? Okay, no H though. No, okay. And what you're asking about, um, you're asking about a blessing because you're not getting any older. Okay, uh, just bear with me. Uh, God, God, I've got um, an Abram on the phone. Yeah, no H. Yeah, he's asking about a blessing. Okay. Uh, Abram, uh, good news. God Most High would like to bless you. Thank you, caller. It's kind of like that. Okay, so there's no direct com there's no direct conversation going on between people and God. That actually priests had to mediate it, and so Melchizedek is one of these priests. <clears throat> A few generations later, the idea of the priesthood becomes much much more formal. Now, let's think about this. God is perfect, and people aren't really, are they? So, so even the, even good ones mess up, and so um, and sometimes that's in a big way. So God gives the law a few generations down the line, and He says the headlines of this are the Ten Commandments, and sin is breaking the law. Okay, so sin is very very serious. If, if you sin, then you can't approach God. If you sin, the wages of sin are death. So if you want to approach God and you don't want to die, then something has to die for your sin. Um, so you bring an animal to sacrifice, an animal that can't have anything wrong with it. Okay. And, and it's a costly sacrifice and your sin passes onto that animal and and your sin is cleansed by the shedding of that animal's blood it's not nice it's horrible and it's messy and so now you can approach you can approach god until the next time that you lie or the next time that you make a, a mistake you get the idea there was probably blood everywhere because because um the whole there was a whole tribe of Israel devoted to this. This was the tribe of Levi, okay, and they are known as the Levitical priesthood. So, if your idea of of priests, you might be thinking, oh yeah, okay, so priests are still leading churches, right? But if your idea of priests is flowing robes around the Vatican or, or something like that, that it just isn't that pretty. Now, Jesus does have stuff to say about people, uh, teachers of the law, swanning around in posh robes, looking religious, expecting honour and without any mercy, devouring the houses of widows. Words and deeds do need to match up. But the Levitical priesthood had, that whole tribe had to get themselves right before God, before they could start being priests and mediating for our other people. So, so that was just made up of normal people as well, right? So as um, uh, if I was a priest, I would have to sacrifice 
an animal for my own sin so that I could approach God. And then someone else wants someone else who I'm being a priest for wants to come through and I have to sacrifice the animal for their sin. And then then we have to they might be asking God for something that might be a burnt offering. So you can you grasp that there's blood and burning stuff everywhere. I don't know how pretty and nice it would be. If you were in the tribe of Levi, then your tribe was all about being a priest, about supporting that whole ministry. Okay, that would be your main job aspiration. If you made it to being a priest, if you were in the tribe of Levi, then you'd made it. If you were in the tribe of Levi, Levi and you're thinking, oh, I wish I could someday be king. It wasn't going to happen. No one in, in the tribe of Levi ever made it to the royal, the royal line because, because from the time of David and then his son Solomon, they were in the house of Judah and the royal descent followed the tribe of Judah. So the royalty was in the tribe of Judah and the priesthood was in the tribe of Levi. And the two didn't mix up. And yet here is Melchizedek before all of that. He's a righteous king. He's the king of peace and he's priest of the most high God. These two things start to come together. But he's not become a priest in because his dad was a priest and his dad before him was a priest. He's become a priest of God Most High through the power of an indestructible life. That is heavy. Imagine having an indestructible life. So we see that the writer of the Hebrews is making these big connections between Melchizedek and Jesus. Now, there's a number of really special moments in the Bible, um, particularly, well, particularly in the Old Testament, where there are holy figures that appear. Okay. Now, sometimes it's very clearly God appearing. Sometimes it's a little bit more ambiguous. I would say maybe Melchizedek is, is one of those, but the representation of the way that Melchizedek represents Jesus is unmistakable. Let's let's take let's take another one of those moments. Let's let's have a look at when um, uh, Joshua was preparing um, the nation of Israel to take the city of Jericho, and outside city of Jericho, Joshua sees a man standing with a sword drawn, and with the backing of his whole, his whole army, Joshua rocks up to him and asks a question on his own terms and says, uh, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the man says, nah, I'm the commander of the armies of the Lord. Wrong question. And Joshua immediately realises this isn't someone to get on your team. That it's time that his whole nation falls in behind the empire 
of of this commander of the armies of the Lord. And he bows down and he worships because here is this person that's come out of nowhere. And he realizes, ah, I can't get this guy on my team like it's some kind of, like he's some kind of mascot or lucky charm. No, he's got the power and we're going behind him. I kind of want to ask the same thing of Melchizedek, though. So let me be clear here. Abraham didn't ask this question, but I want to ask it, right? We just read about this war where there were four kings that went against five kings. And Melchizedek is a priest from that area. He's, he's, uh, sorry, he's a king from that area. Well, why didn't he go and fight? Okay, if if you dropped Melchizedek, if you'd um if you drop this whole king of priest, uh, king of peace thing, and all those ideals that you've got about being the king of peace, maybe you could have gone and fight uh, to fight as well. It could have been five against five. Could have been a fair fight. But now we see the link between Melchizedek and Jesus. And if it was any number of people against Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth. Is it ever a fair fight? And yet, when it was everyone against Jesus, he didn't even fight back. He took it all the way to the cross. That's how much he wanted to establish peace between heaven and earth, between God the Father and us. See, the problem with being priest and king at the same time, we kind of see a little bit about in the story of David, King David, okay? Good king, seen as a mighty king, made some horrible, messy mistakes. And he repented of those, and God forgave him. And he had this idea of making a temple, a a place where most high God would come and dwell with his people. And God said to him, this is in 1 Chronicles 28, says something like this. He says, you've got this nice idea about a temple, which I haven't asked you to do, but to make an earthly copy of of a space that does exist in heaven, where I can dwell with my people, that's not gonna be something you can bring through. You're a warrior. You have, David, blood on your hands. The person that's gonna bring this through, that's going to ordain this place and make it right for, for the Lord Most High to come and dwell in the temple is gonna be your son, King Solomon. And Solomon means peace. See, with blood on your hands, it's not a good look. I I used to, I had a job that was working in a meat factory and all day long had to shovel meat, diced ham out of a big bin into a, into a, 
into bags and then weigh the bags. Have we got enough meat in the bags? It wasn't a pleasant job. And I'd come home and it would take me about three showers just to get the smell of meat out of my hair. I know that's a, you might be thinking, hang on, how is he, you know, did he ever have this much hair? Yeah, it took three showers to just get the stink of it off. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't nice. Priests, we've talked about this. There was blood everywhere. They had blood on their hands. From all the mediating between us and God. But this priest, Melchizedek, who represents Jesus. Jesus, he has blood on his hands as well. But the blood is there not from any other animal, any other any other sacrifice that's just going to that's just going to reset next time that your sin that, that you sin. That blood on his hands is there from the nails that went through his wrists when he was nailed to a cross and lifted high above all the people. That he was given as a sacrifice that would pay the price once and for all. That the wages of sin is death. And he took the punishment. And after that, the game doesn't reset anymore. After that, it is finished. So look, we, we might come to Melchizedek, or we might come to Jesus and say, and say I, want you, I want you fighting my battles. I, wa- I, want you, I want you here with me. But the, the battle that he fought, it's a different battle. Ah, wrong question. The battle he fought fought wasn't winning for us. Oh, Lord, if you would just help me with this, would you win this battle for me? No, he was winning us. We are the prize. He was rescuing and he was reaching in and we are the people that he won to him in that battle. He is with us in the valley. The battle is about the bread and the wine. He is laying out a feast before us in the presence of our enemies and calling down a blessing from from Father God in the power of his indestructible life. Oh, but God, don't you care about this this story of the day, the, the temporary issue that everyone is talking about? Yeah, he does care about that, but wrong question. Let me introduce you to my body broken for you. Let me bring out the bread that that as it's broken, opens my body, that you can join me, not just join my team, not just join, um, not just join my family, join my body, that you might be a a child of God. And you might be members all of one body. Let me introduce you to my blood poured out for you, which is the sign of a better covenant, a better promise between heaven and earth. 
that takes away your sin and allows us to approach the Most High with confidence. Let's worship God together. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.